0: under the helmet you do your thing all right don't be nervous okay the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football it's the moment right here we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be building dynasties each and every week i don't even know your name what's your name chad parsons I'm telling you man you lead leading the league in hydration <laughs> I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons, and I wanted to start out with something that I've been thinking about for the past few days since I found out the news. And if you didn't see it, uh, we have an announcement that, that Jim Day who has been a long uh, supporter, content producer, podcaster, and notable name and, and profile in the fantasy football industry that he has been diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer. And he is one that's that's very close to my beginnings as a fantasy football entity, uh, growing myself in this space. Um, and for, for those that didn't know uh, Jim Day, uh, personally or professionally or content wise, he's been around. Uh, I, I say, I throw around the phrase forever, but if you've been around 10 plus, 15 plus years, the early days of podcasting, I mean, uh, Jim Day, known as Fantasy Taz on Twitter uh, and in a lot of resources out there, he was way back, you know, a decade plus ago over there writing for Bleacher Report, um, where I know him from. Uh, originally was through uh dot com. It was a site that he created, and actually, a twist of circumstances and connections. Simon Shepherd, who is uh, from uh, from Europe, and he was one that came over. He was developing uh, fantasy football apps, and and now. He and I are both over at Football Guys, and we have been for a few years now, but we, Simon and I first connected through Gym Day and through Jim uh, Day offering us uh, a platform and opportunity and guidance and uh, mentorship there at Go Ahead Score to have a platform. Uh, so Simon was working on a lot of tools. And uh, and you know data presentation, uh, drafting tools, player value tools, things like that, um, on the back end. And I was developing just a voice in the industry. Um, that was back in I want to say 2011, the season of 2011. Maybe it was 2012. Somewhere in that zone of time that um I just wanted a place to to start writing. I was interested in Dynasty. I was looking at startup drafts. And what's funny is is Jim was my editor and he and I would take these startup drafts and I would write, you know, 1500 to to 3000 words on a single team on what their their strategy was, uh their good values, bad values and approaches to a startup draft. And I would do that for all twelve teams and I'd put it out as some massive series and I'd be cranking stuff out. I think that was the off season of two thousand and eleven and i was just or the summer of 2011 and i was just i was just learning my voice i was learning how to write and i was like team building and and initial drafting startups like that that was very interesting to me and i just went with it and just typed and typed and typed and wanted to refine my craft and you know he would edit he would give he would give feedback and it was so valuable to have that platform and opportunity and that's something that stuck with me Uh, just to give a shout out to to jim day and and what he meant to me but also what i know he meant to plenty of others that were were going through uh, finding their way in fantasy football online at the time it was you know offering that platform offering that opportunity and offering feedback and positivity um, and good vibes for you know, there's something here, you know, you have talent and, and, you know, refine this, go with it, keep that passion and, and, and that sense of positivity and, and fandom of you can do this. You know, that's what I remember most from Jim Day, as far as working uh, with him under him uh, there at Go Ahead Score for, um, for that duration of time. And so I, I definitely, like to pay that forward, and I've offered you know that same opportunity to others at at UTH Dynasty over the years. Whether it's podcast appearances, whether it's written written content um, on a variety of fronts, that have gone on to do things on other sites, their own platforms, um, or just podcasting and having a, a greater interest than hey, I, I I I have a few Dynasty teams in my portfolio. Going beyond that to actually analysis and being an entity in the space. Um, so so that's something that ha- I will. Always pay forward and and Jim Day was one of the first people in the fantasy space that taught me that. Um, The other thing that I wanted to share about Jim Day is that I met him in person a few times Uh, I came uh, across him the first time, I'll always remember the first um, expert event I, I went to. I don't go to conventions, uh, you know, the one that's in Canton, Ohio. Um, but I do like to go to expert drafts or um, expert things. And a lot of them were through SiriusXM uh, or the Flex Leagues uh, with with Jake Seeley that puts that together. And I've been to some of those events as well as others. And that's where I met, for example, Mike Tagliere, um, who's no longer with us. Um, but Jim Day, I remember going to the Big Apple, New York City. I think it was my first or second time ever there. Uh, certainly my first time wandering around the city finding my way. Uh, one time was in a big, uh, it was in the Sirius XM studio uh, building or, or radio giant building. And then another time, it was just at a local uh, watering hole. Uh, and and Jim Day was, in, I think, probably the first guy there or the second guy there. I mean, he was there, long, looked like long before I was, reserved a table. We had a space uh, there in the, the bar slash restaurant. And it was just a great time. Got there, got to meet him. And I was just, again, a young kid, young kid, if you will, in the space and um, just meeting people. He was literally the first guy I met. The first guy I walked in said hi, you know, and and he was super friendly and inviting. And again, whether it was a super quote unquote famous person in the space or me, you know, he treated everyone equally. Um, And that's what I remember from him uh, as a person just welcoming inviting friendly uh, and someone that it was like everyone has somewhat something to offer and having a valid and constructive conversation was as uh, was more important than you know what your name was or what your uh, list of accomplishments in the space or in life was uh, and that's really what what i appreciated from him and, and learned from him and then the other part is he was pod- so I, I ran into Jim Day two or three times at, at events like that over the years. and it was just it was great to see him. He was a friendly face, and he was honestly that first face I saw uh, on the first event. and that was you know at least a decade ago now um, as I, I went to one of those uh, Flex drafts uh, by Jake Seely. And then uh, the other part was the podcasting element. He was, um, I remember, and this is way back, and if, if you didn't listen to podcasts 10 plus years ago, it was difficult to A, get podcasts, and B, uh, listen to them. Like a lot of times, Blog Talk Radio was one of the few platforms that people used where they the shows were streamed live. I mean, I know they stream shows now live on Uh, on youtube but he had the fantasy football power hour as one of his feature shows he was on a number of other shows and that was in a day where there was not a lot of fantasy football podcasts going on and frankly podcasts were just up and coming and 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 jim day was the voice for me you know it was fantasy taz on the fantasy football power hour as one of those shows and i believe it was on it might have been on yeah friday nights and so it was kind of like a tv show back in the day without uh without streaming and without you know binging a show it was you know if you wanted to watch a certain show hey it's on at nine o'clock on thursdays and that's when you watch you know and if you didn't watch then you know friday you go to work and you go to the water cooler and it's like they're talking about the show and you missed it um in fantasy football uh podcast was the same sort of way uh it was you either listened live or you were able to download it but then you had to uh, take that and put it onto your mp3 player manually i remember it, it was an arduous process like i I, was, I had time to listen to podcasts, but it was like two or three times a week I would have to plug in my MP3 player to my computer and and get the files to be able to listen. And it was a wonky process. It was complicated. It didn't just appear magically uh, like a like a like a, 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 a rainbow uh, jackpot, you know, a, a, a pocket of gold there at the end of the at the end of the rainbow that you actually had to go and and, and procure these files yourself. And I did that for for Fantasy Taz and for the Fantasy Football Power Hour on Fridays to listen on Saturdays and uh, and other shows throughout the week, and and that was that really inspired me to say you know I think this platform having your own quote unquote radio station even if you do one show a week or whatever the volume, and and Fantasy Football of having a radio station essentially of content you wanted to listen to was such a new concept for me and for many others um, at that point in time and now. It's just, you know, commonplace. Everyone, oh, you don't have a podcast? Well, everyone has a podcast, and it's super easy. Uh, thank goodness for technology developing so that we can have a voice there. But, uh, again, Jim Day was one of the first people that I recall uh, listening to in the fantasy football space and one of the first people I absolutely respected for uh, being consistent with producing fantasy football audio content as well as all the different avenues, like I mentioned, with being uh being positive and being inviting and welcoming to new entities, including myself into the space. So, so Jim Day, just, I I wanted to publicly, uh, say thank you. I've, I've emailed him as well. And if anyone listening does, does want his, uh, his email address to, to to send kind words and you have stories and, and connections with him, um, that, uh, please reach out to me. Um, that's admin at UTH com, And I'm, I'm sure he would love to hear, uh, more kind words from, from more people, uh, during these, uh, during these upcoming days, weeks, and months. Next, I wanted to cover my three biggest utilization takeaways from week eight and heading towards week nine. I don't think it's a big waiver week. Um, however, I record a feature show on patreon.com UTH every single week that goes into deeper waiver wire strategy here on Mondays. Uh, so you have it before even your earliest waiver wire run for the following week. Um, but again, utilization report is also out for UTH premium podcasts. I want to give three takeaways, though, that I included um, in that show. Number one, the rare running back depth chart that we might see a changing of the guard or already seeing a change in the guard without an injury. Um, And it's in Carolina. Miles Sanders gets the big contract, and yet it could be Chuba Hubbard as the clarified guy going forward. Miles Sanders coming back from injury. However, uh, this is a case where Chuba Hubbard is playing outplaying him. And Chuba Hubbard this past week had a 21 to 10 advantage in routes and a 15 to 2 edge in carries over Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is an old jalopy leaking oil in terms of his standing on the step chart. You can say it's the hot hand. You can say that uh, this is going to change in future weeks. But if we gain traction and have clarity for Chuba Hubbard in the coming weeks, and it didn't take or was not fueled uh, every single week by Miles Sanders not being active, That is a massive change in the running back landscape to have someone down the stretch run here of bye weeks, someone like Chuba Hubbard that can be a clarified option. Uh, And again, on a team that playing a little better, Bryce Young looking more comfortable by the week and being someone that can have that clarity and upside of a running back with that type of edge in terms of routes and in terms of carries. The second big utilization takeaway coming out of week eight is in Dallas. And we also, first of all, we have Brandon Cooks rising to the wide receiver two role. He had been miring all season. Thank goodness the recommendation was keep holding this guy, even in shallow formats. Don't move on from Brandon Cooks. This might be a transition thing uh, that Dallas has had some wonky game script games, but also Michael Gallup is now fading. Cooks up to the wide receiver two role, 70% route share and Michael Gallup fading to the wide receiver three role. And he was only three routes ahead of Jalen Tolbert in wide receiver three, four, that battle. So Jalen Tolbert could be rising, Michael Gallup is fading, and Brandon Cooks could be someone that is a boon for us where we haven't started him maybe once this season. However, we might start him down the stretch. And another rabbit hole discussion point and something to keep in mind is what happens if C.D. Lamb misses time? that he's been a target volume monster so far, but Brandon Cooks, if he is the injury away option to the alpha wide receiver one role, that holds big value in Big D. So Michael Gallup fading is also clarity under the big upside scenario if Brandon Cooks has a more clarified role and CeeDee Lamb misses time in a future week. So pretty exciting from the Brandon Cooks perspective. It's a stash uh, scenario for future or for 2024 with Jalen Tolbert. And then Michael Gallup is actually someone with mid-20s roster size or shallower, could be a drop target depending on available options. And you never want to be uh, too gluttonous in terms of your roster spots for wide receiver as well. And the number three and final utilization point coming out of week eight, Daniel Bellinger. Part of it is injury here, well, main part is injury, of why we're talking about Daniel Bellinger, but Darren Waller has had hamstring injuries throughout his career, and this is a re-aggravation of an injury from 2023. And so Darren Waller's early exit in this game fueled Daniel Bellinger to have a 75% route share. The biggest question mark here with Daniel Bellinger is not what his route participation would be and what his market share of that depth chart would be, in future weeks, it is more about quarterback question. If Tommy DeVito starts this next game, then Bellinger is not a good streamer. Uh, The whole passing game is a major question mark if no Tyrod Taylor, as the presumption would be, and Daniel Jones is not back. Now, there's a chance uh, Daniel Jones plays in week nine. However, uh, this is a big macro opportunity from now till the end of the year. Darren Waller could go on IR. It could easily be a multi-week absence. And you put all that together, and Daniel Bellinger's route share is going to be enough to fuel a top 12 finish or a top 12 partial season production string and streak because this wide receiver core has not been productive. Jalen Hyatt's been up, then he's been down, and he's also an inconsistent rookie. Wondell Robinson has been a short range guy that I've liked, but he has not strung it together so far. And Darius Slayton has been someone from uh, previous seasons that has had some peaks. However, it seems like he's on his trend line downward as a lower pedigree option that's now getting surpassed by stronger pedigree. So Daniel Jones returning, or Tyrod Taylor being under center, is the linchpin here. But even if you don't plan on streaming Daniel Bellinger this week, or if Tommy DeVito is going to start, you hold your nose, you pick him up now, because he could be someone that if you have an injury at tight end, Daniel Bellinger will have opportunities and pathways any Darren Waller missed game to being a top 10, top 12 option on opportunity alone. I think he's going to have a route share similar to someone like Durham Smythe in Miami. However, he's not going to be ignored in a target perspective like Durham Smythe in Miami, where he'll be out there a ton, but it's like, are you out there? I'm not sure. Uh, Daniel Bellinger will have to be almost like a baby Darren Waller and be one of the top two or three options within the Giants offense, and I'm slow playing that. He may be the number one option within the Giants passing game here down the stretch with no Darren Waller. Final player I wanted to bring up this week is Will Levis. He's going to be a major talking point. I think there's plenty of people that already have him in the mid-teens of the dynasty quarterback position where... Things can only go up. Look at this career start. Look at his debut. Look at all these touchdown passes to DeAndre Hopkins. Isn't life great? Isn't life wonderful for Will Levis? And I hate to be the cold water guy. I hate to be the uh, pessimism guy. But you need to have a pause with quarterbacks that have a small sample size. Hey, look at the hot start of Jordan, just as one example, and this doesn't mean that he's going to be a success or a bust, but look at Jordan Love with his start even over a three or four week sample versus how the, the tables have turned and how things have soured from sweet lemonade to sour lemonade in terms of the perspective with some of the performances, some of the turnovers, the wins are lacking, and all those factors from his first few starts to now uh, more of a global perspective of, say, half a season. Will Levis has played one game, and I, I expected, first of all, I expected him to have uh, be pretty low in expected fantasy points. Which looks at his opportunities of, of where the passes are, uh, how the passes uh, were uh, allocated, and all of that. Uh, what would be the expectation in those situations at large? And he is actually quarterback 35 on the season in expected fantasy points per game. Yes, he's played one game, but it speaks to the fact that he's at 13.8 expected fantasy points in that game. And he, what did he score? 34. And here's the laughable part. I literally, when I when I uh, accrued all the the data that has been updated through week eight uh, from from Pro Football Focus, that the the funniest the funniest data point, because I figured, well, he scored, like, because my my film notes note, uh, which ended up being about 80 minutes, I I believe, from uh, this past week uh, on Sunday's games, 14 games, I go in depth, watch every play of every game, and distill it down as the phrase goes to the Dynasty information you need to know, uh, that my biggest note was, these to me were not overly impressive plays. Um, And they were to some degree, fluky plays in terms of DeAndre Hopkins, uh, an older wide receiver, uh, smoking guys on double moves. He also broke multiple tackles, I think, on a 20 to 30 yard touchdown reception that ended up uh, turning into a score. And so not a lot of, we know actually what's going on here with Will Levis. And the funny thing, so I laughed out loud when I saw that he had four touchdown passes and Touchdown passes and touchdown rate are uh, are very, you know regression worthy on small sample size as well as large sample size, and he his expected passing touchdowns 0.94, so that's gonna be my go-to stat this week 0.94. Uh, that Will Levis, how would we view him if he had one touchdown pass and he then they lost, as opposed to four touchdown passes and they won because the expe- expectation was four was one and they would have lost. So he is behind in terms of fantasy expected fantasy points per game. He is behind uh, Tyson Badgett, Zach Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, and firmly so, by the way, Brock Purdy, Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, P.J. Walker, Desmond Ritter. So that's a lot of guys. I'm only to the mid-20s. I'm going up <laughs> from the mid-30s. So he's slightly ahead of Kenny Pickett. So you need to be very, very careful with Will Levis because what, what I think people right now are forgetting, there's two ways to view this. They go, well, he should have been a first round pick. He should have, or he was on track to be a high first round pick. But he wasn't. But he wasn't. He fell to round two. He fell globally as every NFL team, as the first round progressed, he fell through all those teams. Tennessee had a chance to take him and passed all the way. He falls all the way to a point where quarterbacks are not overly successful and the hit rate is not overly high. So be very careful with overvaluing and all of a sudden you had Levis in the QB 30 range, let's say in Dynasty, and now you have him inside the top 20 based on one game and based on being plus three touchdowns in a single game over expectation. I think that whiplash reaction is one of the more dangerous things. And I will say, have we not learned from the Marcus Mariotis, the Derek Carrs, the Jameis Winstons, the uh, insert a bunch of quarterbacks that had much more initial success and they started going in the top 15 to 20 of Dynasty startup drafts uh, the, the very following off season on the prospect that they will do this, will, won't do this. How about even Justin Fields? You know, being a top 10 fantasy option and going in the first round Trey Lance on the prospect of starting, on the prospect of being good there with the 49ers and going in the first round. Uh, you know, and, and over, you know, Justin Herbert or over, uh, I think it was side-by-side with Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or uh, Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, you know, and this is recently. And these are cautionary tales. The downside of being super aggressive on quarterback is worse than the being aggressive and being right of uh, of on the positive side, and you are right with them being good. So Will Levis is the next iteration of be very very careful, and you do not want to be over your skis in price point. If anything, and I'll be very interested to see some of the consolidation and package up and upgrade your situation with Will Levis as I sell this week more than I am let's buy off of this game and aren't you the smartest guy in the room with Will Levis. I think Will Levis is the new example uh, that can be very instructive because we, we're we going to earmark a point where Will Levis, maybe today, maybe it's recently, where he's in an adjacent room where you add a small piece to him and get to Kyler Murray. You may go straight across for someone like Deshaun Watson or Brock Purdy. Uh, I think you need to be very careful um, on how much you are putting into a one game sample size at one of the most difficult positions to project uh, zero games to ten games and then obviously from a small sample size of one game or a few games to he's going to be the week one starter next year to he's going to be a three to five-year starter to he's going to get a supermax contract to he is going to be the franchise-changing and leading player. There are so many different thresholds there in terms of NFL quarterbacking, and that parallels dynasty quarterbacking because job security is a stat <laughs> for uh, for dynasty quarterback valuation, where you can tolerate to some degree a lower uh, floor. And Well, higher floor, lower ceiling, because there's value in being someone that is solid and steady. Because you know what? Touchdown rate and opportunities and uh, situations and weapons will find you for perfect storms. And you don't have to be a game-changing player for those things to find you. You just have to be good enough. So we will find out in the coming weeks and let's hope Will Levis gets more opportunities. Let's hope that he gets an extended run because examples like Will Levis, examples like Sam Howell, examples like Josh Dobbs, examples like Sam Howell, these are exactly what you want to see and what you root for in terms of the the retreads don't always get all the jobs and giving them a fair shake. This is how we find Brock Purdy's and Dak Prescott's and Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady's. So it's a great story, but from a number sense, from a fantasy sense, from a dynasty valuation sense, have a lot of pause this week and Will Levis will absolutely be a feature show for some of the dynasty trades going down heading into week nine off the optimism of what was a touchdown infused and highly unpredictable and un. Uh, expected string of production within that game against Atlanta. As always, no ads on this show, but if you enjoy uh, some of what you hear, you're going to hear a lot more of that. Up to over 400 premium shows on the UTH premium side of podcasting. You get updated running back and quarterback, injury away matrices on a weekly basis. You get refined dynasty rankings and trade calculator values on a weekly basis. Um, You also get, you teach film notes and running back roundup weekly and season. Invaluable shows so that you get your bench right. So that you know uh, as if you were there watching every play of every game like I do on Sundays into Monday where frankly you don't have the time and you pay me so that I distill it down into a nice 60 to 80 minute show showing that uh, you don't need to watch the games. You're going to get five, six, seven minutes on each NFL game and the dynasty information you need to know. That'll do it this week on Under the Helmet. I am Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.